Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Your friend, Sandy Sidhu, has agreed to sit down and chat with us about what a young actress several years into her career can do to gain traction in the uh, entertainment industry. Actors from all across the world will come down for pilot season in hopes to being on one of those pilots. And it's really a great way as an actor to go down and just sharpen your toolbox, stay on your hustle, stay on your game, and be a part of that intense period of auditioning. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Don't worry about where you're from, just keep on your game and keep on your hustle and your own authenticity. Being authentically yourself is the biggest gift you can give people. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your other host, Fred Keating. We're in Hollywood, California. We've done some of our episodes from here, and you'll hear a few more in the future. We're here, Fred, at a rather special time of year. Tell us about it. Well, it's pilot season in Hollywood, and uh, that's the time of year when uh, networks and studios receive pilot episodes or commission pilot episodes for ideas they're thinking about turning into TV series. So it's it's a terrific place for actors because everybody needs them. Uh, traditionally, it starts about mid-January, runs through the end of March, and uh, busy, busy time. And it's a great way for young people to get exposure to what they may or may not be getting into if they decide to uh, relocate to Los Angeles or Hollywood and, and make it in movies and television. It's busy, so what we're going to do for a, a little look uh, through someone else's eyes at the pilot season, we're going to flash back actually, right, to, to an interview that we recorded maybe a, a month or two ago. Yes, Sandy Cedar was just, uh, she's a young actress and she was just preparing, just packing her bags, about to come down here uh, for pilot season and gives us a little indication. It's the second time she's done it. And so uh, she shares with our listeners uh, what it was like the first time and what her game plan is this time out. So let's listen to that interview. Brad, why are we in Vancouver, Canada today? Who are we interviewing? We are here in Vancouver, Canada today, beautiful British Columbia, as the license plates read, uh, because your friend, Sandy Sidhu, has uh, agreed to sit down and chat with us about what a young actress, several years into her career but with many to come, I'm sure, can do to gain traction in the uh, entertainment industry. And so, Sandy, thank you for taking the time to join us. I understand you're preparing for your second trip down to Los Angeles for uh, pilot season. Yeah, that's right. Can you tell us what a pilot season is? Pilot season is, uh, and it used to be a lot more condensed nowadays. It's kind of watered out to be throughout the year, but it still typically occurs um, between February and March. It's a time when networks will test out new shows. And the way that they do that is that they order first episodes for a lot of different concepts for TV shows. So they will make these test episodes, first episodes. And so actors from all across the world will come down for pilot season in hopes to being on one of those pilots. And it's really a great way as an actor to go down and just sharpen your toolbox, 
um, stay on your hustle, stay on your game and be a part of that, that intense period of auditioning. So how does a young woman like yourself with a university degree in the sciences find herself every spring flying like the swallows back to Capistrano, headed down to Los Angeles? How did the bug first bite you, miss? Well, I grew up in a small town off the coast of Vancouver in a city called Nanaimo. There really isn't a lot. um, It's probably changed nowadays, but back then there wasn't a lot to do um, in high school growing up in that city. I joke around that you either did sports, the arts, or you drank, and I chose the arts. <laughs> and um, you just ha- I had a lot of time to develop my own creativity, and I started off drawing, and then in high school I was very shy, so I got into musical theater, which really helped to open me up. But when I went to university, I because I come from such a small town, I didn't really know what to do with my life, and I found the human body interesting, so I decided to get into the sciences to pursue a career in um, the medical field. But I found that I was really unhappy once I chose that vocation in university, and it was only when I went in between summers doing theater that I looked at the crafts, because during the school year at UBC, I didn't have any time to do any of my creative outlets. Whereas in high school, I did. I was in school, but every day after school, I do musical theater, I draw. There's always creativity flowing. In university, it's so demanding that I spent most of the year doing just science and being very unhappy. So when I went back during the summers doing theater, that's when I had my aha moment of maybe this isn't a hobby. Maybe science is my hobby and arts is my career. But coming from a small town, I think it really played into me not realizing that for a really long time until I slowly started listening to my heart more and more and more. Well, this podcast, Monetizing Your Creativity, is all about discovering your passion. Yeah. But then the business end of show business, trying to generate a stream of revenue that allows you to pursue that passion. Yeah, of course. And how have you tackled that? Well, everyone's different. Pursuing a career as an artist is, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bravery because, you know, when you go, hey, I'm going to be an actor, the world doesn't provide for you. The world doesn't go, oh, okay, well, these are the positions that you can take to employ yourself and pay your rent while you pursue this passion of yours. And everyone's completely different. Um, but there's just no for every actor out there. There's no shame in picking up side jobs and doing what you can. But I think everyone... Everyone is very different, but yeah, you have to you have to pick up the weird jobs for a while. Now, Sandy, you've picked up a, a fair bit of traction here in Vancouver with respect to film and television and theater, and you mentioned taking a run at Los Angeles as well. I expect you have a, an agent here in Vancouver, and what about Los Angeles? Yeah, I have representation in Vancouver, and last year I got representation in L.A., The way that I got representation in L.A. was I went up to my agent in Vancouver and I went, set up some meetings, please, because I just felt like I was ready. It's hard. It would be harder for actors to go apply to management companies in L.A. without having someone in between, because there's so many people in L.A. that managers, if they just get an email direct from an actor, it is just more difficult. So I was very fortunate and lucky to have an agent who set up the introductions for me. And then he lined up the meetings and then I sat down and I kind of figured out who I kind of clicked and vibed with the most. And I now with an amazing management company and they're taking really good care of me. And yeah, that's kind of how that happened. What's the difference between an agent and a manager? You know, I didn't know for the longest time and I'm still figuring it out uh, because in Canada, it's the same thing, an agent and manager that there's no difference. 
I think the way it works in LA is an agent just finds every possible job that you could possibly go out for where a manager, your manager in LA will go, well, what's better for you? Like what's, what's more, what's better for your career? What's more tailored for you? What should we out of these opportunities really focus on? And they really build your career tra- trajectory. But are they a gateway as well? The, uh, the manager, can they set up uh, opportunities for you to meet people or, or audition? Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah, that's what mine does. Mm-hmm. Tell us about pilot season in some detail. Well, before I went down for my first pilot season last year, everyone gave me an opinion of what it would be like. And I found that really interesting. Everyone is very passionate about this is what you're going to experience. And um, so I want to be very careful in saying everyone's going to have a different experience. There's no one thing that typically happens to every actor. I know people that have been on series in Vancouver that are so talented and so gifted and work all the time up in North Hollywood and they go down to pilot season and they're sitting and there's no rhyme or reason for it. If you're in a position where you are auditioning a lot and I am, I was very lucky last year to be in that position, pilot season's, uh, it's intense. You know, you're you're getting scripts um, every couple of days, and there's a lot of information, and you're you're breaking down the story really quickly, and it's a grind. It's a it's 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 a very very intense period of a couple of months where you're just you're going out there, and you're hopefully building relationships with casting directors, but you know they don't really remember you because they're in a fog as well. And though time to build relationships with casting in LA is really after pilot season, I would say. You've really touched, Sandy, on one of the major vibes of, of this podcast series. If there was one single way, if there was a, a stairway where each step uh, took you closer and closer to your goal, well, then everybody would know it and everybody would pursue it. The reason we have you and some of our other guests on this series is because everybody's path is unique. And what we're looking for are the, the general aspects you can share that will be of benefit to others, but only you walk the Sidhu path. Yeah, exactly. On Sidhu Street. Uh, Everybody has to find their own, but if they're lucky, they also find associates, friends, colleagues like you who will say, hey, kid, look, this is what this is what happened to me. may not happen to you. Just watch out for this. Yeah, exactly. In a pinch, try that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, community is really important in this industry. Um, When I first started out as an actor, I really didn't have any community because I didn't know anyone. I just pursued it because I loved acting. Slowly over time through just being in the hustle of it all for so long, I started meeting friends in acting classes. And from that point, um, when you started to book projects, you would be, you'd meet actors on set and crew. And then eventually you want to go and support the film festivals. And so slowly over time, I started to build my community. And that really keeps you going, I think, as an artist, is that community, is to nurture these relationships and to make sure that they are real and authentic. Because it's those people that inspire me to keep on that path, because it is a tough path. But I'm really, you know, I'm lucky. I'm surrounded by amazing friends and really talented industry professionals that we just keep each other going, I guess. (laughs) You know, and speaking of multiple paths, some people go to college or university and they they earn a degree in uh, fine arts. They enter the acting field that way. But that's not your story. No, I have a degree in cell biology and genetics. (laughs) Complete opposite. Midway through, it was my second year that I realized I wanted to be an actor, but I never liked to quit 
in anything that I do. So I wanted to finish my degree. And I'm actually really glad that I did because the last two years of my degree were excruciating. All I wanted to do was act. Yeah, you know, when I, when I look back, uh, when I go through really tough times as an actor, I actually have another window of opportunity that I can pursue. But that's just proof that I love acting even more because I go, no, I would rather stick on this path because I have zero interest in the science path. So I'm actually really glad I got my degree. For me, in the Sidhu street that you were saying, it kind of taught me that I love, I love what I do. I guess your science path, though, might make you unique in some way as an actor in terms of, of maybe roles that would be appropriate for you at some point. Yeah, you know, like for all those professional roles, any medical show, I can say <laughs> those crazy words that take people a really long time to to figure out what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, I would say that my degree, more than anything, gave me a work ethic. And that's really what I took from it. I work so hard in my career as an actor because I had a, I think UBC really instilled that in me. You've had a pretty interesting uh, recent experience in, in film. Tell us about that film that you were involved in. Yeah, I just finished shooting a film with a director named Monica Mitchell and it's called For- Forced Exposure. It's about cyberbullying and stalking and it's a project that I'm really passionate about because bullying is something that is still so prevalent today and really has devastating impacts on a lot of youth. And um, this story is just, it's so relevant. And I was bullied when I was a kid, but I had a really amazing support system, a really loving family. So I was able to come out of that and realize that the things that kids were saying to me were not indicative of who I am. Uh, I am not those things that people called me. I, you know, and I really, to be a part of this project, I just, it's to, send out the message and reiterate to people who have been bullied that you are wonderful, you are special, you are worthy, you are amazing. And that if these things happen to you, it's um, please don't have that be a knock to your self-esteem. It's so hard, you know? Um, So yeah, it was when I, when I uh, got on board with this project, I was pretty, pretty happy and felt privileged to be a part of that storytelling. As a South Asian performer, do you find that an advantage in the in the sense that you uh, you told us once in a previous conversation about being an extra extra Puerto Rican in a West Side Story production? But but I guess that that would mean you could play any number of cultures, any number of Hispanic cultures, any number of South Asian cultures, uh, each of whom is slightly different in terms of language. But do you have the dialect skills that would take you from uh, one? culture to another if uh, the role demanded it? Um, I would certainly hope that I wouldn't play someone Hispanic because I really would hope that a Hispanic actress would play a Hispanic person on screen. Last year they said that diversity's in for pilot season and that kind of bothered me because A, I was kind of happy that there's more representation of diversity on screen, but it's sad that it's still something that's an issue and something to be talked about and that we're not past that yet. The great thing about my management team is that if their role is written to be for a blonde, I'll still go out for it. In storytelling, if the character doesn't have to be one ethnicity, I want equal opportunity to go out for that role. But if the storytelling demands person to be South Asian, then obviously I want to audition for that. But if the storytelling demands for the role to be Hispanic, I don't want to go out for that. I think that it's in my mind a little, um, come on guys, we've got enough 
enough Hispanic struggling actors out there that would do an amazing job over me. That's a pretty principled approach. We've talked about Hollywood. What about Bollywood? There's an awfully large industry there. I screen tested for a major feature in Bollywood and I was flown down. You know, it kind of gave me a taste of that culture. I really enjoy the storytelling in North America more so than Bollywood. Bollywood is, I kind of, and I could be totally wrong to anyone listening to this in India and they might be like, you're wrong. But for me, Bollywood is kind of the old studio system in Hollywood in the 50s. They really groom their starlets and um, they are beautiful productions and amazing, amazing stories. But I feel in my heart that my place is more in the North American market for storytelling. And I'm really glad I did screen test in Bollywood because at that time I actually wondered where my market was. I wondered about Bollywood and um, that experience kind of took that out of my mind. And yeah, I'm happy to focus on work in North America. Now, Sandy, you mentioned that you come from a small town in Canada, Nanaimo, and actually, coincidentally, a very famous, internationally famous jazz musician, Diana Krall, comes Mm -hmm. from the same town as you. Now, to what extent does that sort of success inspire you in terms of thinking, you know, this is doable. Diana Krall knocked it out of the park. So can I. So, So can my cohorts. I'm a really cheesy person. <laughs> I find inspiration everywhere. So yeah, Diana Krall is a huge inspiration. I like to stay very naive in my life. I like to believe that if you have a passion and it's a calling from your heart, that you're meant to pursue that. There's a reason behind that and that great things can happen. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what connections you have. Diana Krall is incredibly inspiring. And there's a lot of talent that comes from small towns. So don't worry about where you're from. Just keep on your game and keep on your hustle and your own authenticity. Being authentically yourself is the biggest gift you can give people. And that's something I'm really starting to realize. We often say staying in the game is half the battle. Yeah. And of course, sometimes you need to uh, supplement your income by occupations or activities that don't seem at the time, especially related to the entertainment business. But I know more people who've had more experiences being cast or involved in a variety of craft categories on set who have said to me, you know, when I was selling those shoes, I thought it was the worst job in the world. I, I just want, and you know, I got cast in this part and I'm not playing me. I'm playing old Mr. Carter, who was my manager in that store. He had, he was such a character that, so it, I don't believe anything is wasted, or I should say, I believe nothing is wasted. Yeah, I completely believe that as well. It's all grist for the mill in in as wild an industry as this is. Marvin and I often uh, say to young people, what do you currently love doing? Because there will be a slot for you in the entertainment industry if you are in IT, if you have a, a skill in business, if you like computers, if you like art. If you like growing things, they need greenskeepers on set to keep the bushes and trees the right species for the location. There must be several hundred separate categories. So if you already love something like cell biology, there's probably a niche for you and that expertise in this industry. That's the that's the good news. I think the most important thing is not to pigeonhole yourself and to stay present. I think what you're talking about is presence, staying in the moment and finding joy in what you do, where you are will eventually serve you because you're gaining experiences and you're kind of downloading these experiences to then pull from when you're 
an actor and it's, it's a different kind of role. And when, you, when you're really present, you're meeting all these different personalities and you're able to really take people in. Like you said, if you've got a role, you go, wow, that really reminds me of that person that I met because you were present and you were able to really take in the moment. So yeah, I think my favorite book is The Alchemist. And I love The Alchemist because it talks about this theme where it starts off with a man on a journey. to He has this dream of finding this treasure, this gold. But he doesn't know how to get to that point. So he starts traveling and he meets this one guy who says, will you help me polish these glass, this glassware in a shop for a year? And he goes, oh, you know, I, I don't have money. I need to kind of pay, make some money. So he stays in the shop for a year and he gets a certain amount of experience. And it's that there's life is tangents all the time. But I think those tangents happen for a reason and serve us greatly for things that we need to do in the future. Sandy, any final thoughts, particularly to your cohorts, people like yourself who are at the uh, the start of their careers and working really hard at breaking into the business? Yeah, I would say stay authentically yourself. I know that's a theme I keep, keep hitting on, but there's a, a reason for that. Just know that you, if you feel that passion in your heart, you're not wrong. And just keep listening to that inner radar. And hey, your path may change. One of my best friends that I met in acting class, this beautiful Australian, incredibly talented, was pursuing acting with me. And she started to get really jaded by it and really uh, unhappy with it. And she came up to me one day and she said, I don't think I want to be an actor anymore. Because everything about the industry, she just didn't like. But she was listening to herself. And I went, there's no shame in quitting acting. And there was a stigmatism, interestingly, for her to quit because she thought people might think she failed, that she pursued this career and it didn't work out. But I said, no, you you had this intent of following this path because you thought you loved it. But then you realized you didn't love it as much as you thought, but then it made you find painting. And now she's this amazing painter. So if you listen to your heart and you're guided um, and you listen to yourself, you'll always be guided in the right direction. And to me, she's living a very successful life. I'm so happy that she quit acting because she realized her joy, her true joy wasn't in that, but she needed to pursue that short period of time in acting to find those things, um, to redirect herself in the right way. Just work really hard. The thing about being actors, you're self-employed, so only you're accountable to yourself. Have a strong community around you, build friendships that are real, and just keep working hard. If I could just have a little footnote, what Sandy said has is, is just inspired me to, to remind people to be kind and generous to their colleagues yeah. and classmates, because even though they may not continue in the performance stream, they may continue in the industry. And two to three years from now, that young woman may be hiring actors. And in fact, you may be one of them, Sandy, because you were there when she needed you in the projects that were there for both of you at the time. So I encourage people as they look around the audition hall and see what appears to be for that particular day, for that particular project, their competition, to remember we're all in this game together. And it is, in fact, a community. And if we can come out of an audition and say, they're great, but by the way, try this instead of that because when I anything you can do to help another one that stuff does not go unrewarded not immediately perhaps but it it comes back to you I find that the more generous you are the better it serves you ultimately in the end there's enough in the pie to go around is my opinion and it's so important to 
support one another and not be competitive because no one can be you. When you walk into the room and you play that role, no one can do it the way you do it. So when producers and directors and casting kind of figure out what they want, it has nothing to do with the competition. Competition to me doesn't exist. I'm very ambitious. I work really hard, but I will help my friends out for readings and tapings. In LA, I was constantly auditioning with this one wonderful, beautiful actress. And we would go out for the same auditions. And you could call her my direct competition. But we constantly were helping each other with tapes. And she'd go, yeah, you know what? You just missed this beat here. But everything else was great. And maybe pick that up. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right. Perfect. She'd switch. We literally would switch tapings. And she'd go up for the same role. And I go, you know what? You missed this one beat here. But what you did there was amazing. We just, we literally elevated our performances to be the best it could be with our authentic selves you there's a growth in that that you can't get if you're going to be competitive and not there's some actors up there that don't ever talk about what they audition for and they don't talk about their process and to me I find that to be a very lonely path and a, it's not very joyful and not as happy and when you're pursuing a career as an artist make it as joyful and as creative and as happy as possible and having friends and people in your community to help do that is it's, it's what gets me through. Amazing thoughts of positivity. On that note, I think we should wrap up. Those are just great thoughts to end on. They absolutely are. Thank you so much, Sandy, for being with us. And all best wishes on all your ongoing adventures, because I know there'll be many. Thank you so much, Fred. Thanks, Marvin. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. 